Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. As Jay said, nobody's got more toys than Andy right now. And he's got the best toys, the most toys and the best toys. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Paul Feinbaum on the first week of SEC football. He's on the way here in 10 minutes. We've been talking about this this morning, but for those of you just joining us, people are talking about this being the next great rivalry in the NFL. Many of you saw last night on ESPN, Mahomes getting the better of Jackson as he has in all of their previous meetings, 34-20 last night on Monday Night Football. Jay, I'm looking at my phone right now. Definition of rivalry. Competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. Right now, you don't think this is a rivalry. Is there a competition for superiority? It doesn't seem like it. It, it doesn't <laughs> seem like there's competition for superiority. And, and the numbers actually prove that. And I actually want to, once again, publicly apologize to fans and to listeners because this is a media-manufactured rivalry. Yeah, what do you know? It is. I know a lot about media-manufactured rivalries. Right? Like it, it's something that we, we build in individually. Yes, both players are incredible. Two former MVPs. I understand that. But there is a pretty sizable gap between where the Ravens are and between where the Chiefs are right now currently. See, it's different in, in like college sports because college sports is, is more about the university. The, the, it's been there forever. Players come and go. Where the NFL players come and go, but you have a short window of those guys. Where you look at the Manning and Brady years, Manning couldn't get anything done against New England and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. It took them six tries, four in the regular season, two in the postseason, before they really could get over the hump. But it was it was the buildup for the future. It's the buildup. It's, it's that buildup where you look at certain teams within divisions or conferences where for so long it was the Redskins and the Cowboys or, or – but they're no longer the Redskins, but right, yeah, sure, you know what I'm saying? The sure. Washington football team uh, in the Cowboys for so long, that's what it was about. Or the Giants and the Cowboys for so long because that was the division. You know, the Giants in, in, in Washington, that was the division. When you look at these two, they're not in the same division, they're in the same conference, but they played, they've been playing each other every single year, whether it's a regular season or the postseason. And Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid has gotten the best of Harbaugh in Jackson, that's just what it's been today. But we, it may change in the playoffs. Maybe they see each other in the playoffs, in the divisional round or something, and then all of a sudden it changes. Is, is Michigan, Ohio State a rivalry in football, in college football? I can ask Paul when he comes on the show. Absolutely, it is. It is. Yeah, when, when's man. the last Michigan? When's the last time yeah, Michigan I get, won? I get that, but I'm just saying it has no, 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 no. We well, that's our job to start redefining what rivalries are, Keith. Now, if you're you saying can't, you if can't you're looking in a glass history ball, like if that, you're, if you're looking in the crystal ball, and you're going to tell me as Jeannie, Jeannie Keyshawn, that in two years from now, you know Lamar Jackson is going to be throwing the ball outside of numbers, going to be dominating. Great, tell me that. But you can't tell me with this sample size that we've seen thus far that this is a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. It They've is. dominated every game. It it is a new rivalry. It's a new one. It's we want new, it to be a rivalry. It's new. We want it to be that way. It three what is it? Three games they played so far? Right. Three in three games it is a rivalry. Whether you want it to be or not. And what's happening? Okay, so what's to, happened in those rivalries? When I think about no. rivalry, I think about 
Games being close. Games and meaningful moments. It comes down to the wire. These guys going back and forth. They're jockeying for who's the best in the game right now. None of those games have been close, Keyshawn. Because he's gotten the best of him. Patrick Mahomes have gotten the best of the Baltimore Ravens. When you go back, I'll go back to Manning and Brady. Manning could not win in his first six tries, whether it was a regular season or postseason. I wouldn't have called Eventually, that a either. No, absolutely. Because the from a media standpoint, marquee matchup. What did everybody look for? What did everybody look for when the schedules came out? Monday Night Football, oh my God. Because we Kansas have to sell City games. And the Ravens are playing. Patrick Mahomes is playing against Lamar Jackson. Because we have the, to sell games. The Marvel Comics... Samuel Jackson, as we led into the game, you had a buff Patrick Mahomes and a super buff Lamar Jackson. That is what rivalries are, how they're created. Then you dive into the football part of it. No, no, you, you're see, wrong. So you, 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 you're taking this. You're saying so the media dedicates who the rivalry is supposed to be around, and the media builds that rivalry instead of saying these two teams are having such epic clashes. That they actually give us a rivalry within itself without the media having to build it together. It's now look, I'll, three I'll games. Okay. When, so it gets to, when it gets to nine or ten and it doesn't look like that Jackson or Baltimore can do anything, then it cha- it'll so, change. So all I'm saying, Key, is you're saying you're going to let the media dictate who's a rivalry in your eyes. And all I'm saying is I want the teams to actually dictate who's a rivalry. Because the media is the one that's going to drive. It's driving it. It's that, the drama. That's what I'm saying. As a all fan. part of – a media is all part of that's it. That's my point. As a fan, I don't want the is media NC to drive. State, is NC State a, a rival to Duke in basketball? No. But, but, but if that local area media was – pushing it that way, and NC State was actually had won some championships along the way, they would make it and drum it up. Let me tell you what happened. So back when I played college basketball, Mm -hmm. 2000, 2001, okay, everybody was like, oh, North Carolina is your rival. North Carolina is your rival. I was like, okay, it's fine. My record was 9-1 against North Carolina. Didn't feel like a rivalry to me. But it was, though. Wait, wait, let me me finish it, right? Because at the time, North Carolina wasn't that good, right? So, but, But what happened during my tenure at Duke we started having these epic battles with a team called Maryland that was in the ACC. And, and that turned into a, mon- a monumental rivalry. That turned into a rivalry because every time we saw them, one team was down double digits, the other team came back and won games. Games always came down to the wire. So what happens, those two teams colliding, that made it a rivalry. Now, I'm not saying that's applicable to Duke, North Carolina. They had a lot of close games. The records actually speak for itself. Like, actually proves into my point. Like, I forget, like, I, I, how many times the two teams have played? I think one team is up, like, barely double digits in the overall scheme of the rivalry between Duke Carolina. So the numbers actually speak to my facts about this. This is not a rivalry between these two teams because they are so far apart. KC has dominated every single game they played in against Baltimore. Today. Tomorrow, you don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's 2020. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going to happen Come tomorrow. to playoffs, True. Baltimore played him in the playoffs and beat them. Why then can't would you just you, say I'm right? Because you, you're not right. <laughs> why did you do, not why read you that refuse? man? Did you not why read you, what that man said? You know what? Did Sometimes, you not re- want to read it to him again? Please Zuby, read please? it to me again, Zuby. Because he clearly didn't uh, hear or understand what you said. You either read it too fast or not clear enough. So if you're just joining us, we were talking about whether the Chiefs and the Ravens <laughs> is really a rivalry. You can clearly tell Key thinks it is. Jay doesn't. The definition of rivalry, and by the way, how about the Ravens being involved in the last two? If you consider this a rivalry, remember, 
Pittsburgh and Baltimore, also an incredible rivalry okay. for many years. All Competition right. for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. That is what Google says is a rivalry. Well, then every game's a rivalry if that's what Google says. <laughs> Everybody's having a competition for superiority in the same field. That's called the I, NFL. I, I, I can't. What do you, I, I, I can't. You know what? It doesn't make any sense, Zubin. Just because you Google it doesn't always make it right. I can't with we you, We need man. to set the tone for our listeners. Just because you go to the internet doesn't just always make it right. Here is maybe the deciding factor, the voice that really speaks the loudest. You would think it would be Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid. But in fact, it's John Harbaugh saying, right now, we don't need a telescope to see the Chiefs, but it's pretty clear who the better team is. Well, I mean, we obviously we haven't beaten them, so you know they uh, they've outplayed us in all three games. If you want to go back for three years, so but we didn't play well today. They beat us. They out, they out executed us. They out game planned us. They they just beat us. So that's 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 the story tonight. Uh, big picture stuff, all that. I don't know. They're better. Obviously, they're a better football team at this point in time. Does that sound like somebody who just said this to you guys on national radio? I mean, are those the I'm same not, words? I'm not I, about to waste my minutes engaging with this dude on TV and why, radio. Why are you getting because, frustrated? Because just because he says that, yes, they've lost three in a row, does not mean, Jason Williams, that this is not a rivalry. Doesn't mean that. Like, it does not hurt yourself. It does not mean that. I, it, 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 I go back to, again, I go back to Peyton Manning and uh, Tom Brady for many years. That was dominated by Belichick and the New England Patriots. And then eventually the tide turned. Does that not mean it was a rivalry leading up to that? Yes, it was. Because that's all we talked about. That's all we showed on whether it was Sunday night football or Monday night football. Or a 425 game on a Sunday. <clears throat> Media the national game. It, let's get A to Z. Gotcha. Uh, can I say one last thing? Yeah. If there's one person who has insight into what a rivalry will be. Wouldn't it be the head coach of the Ravens? That's all. I'll leave it at that. Gotcha. If you're watching us this morning on ESPN News, Jay was getting down, giving us three push-ups. So, Key, I need about seven crunches here while I do (laughs) A to Z. If you could just get down, get ready for that. Paul (laughs) Feinbaum, the voice of college football for so many, is on the way here in one minute. But first, let's go from A to Z. (laughs) I love getting getting Key hyped up. (laughs) Nothing gets Key hyped up more than... Hockey, that's Hockey. right. Hockey. Yes, my lightning. <laughs> your lightning. Defeat your stars. You couldn't lose. Braden Point, Blake Coleman scoring. Those are the two tallies. They win the Stanley Cup over the Dallas Stars in six games. It's their first title since 04 when they struck lightning the first time. Victor Hedman is your Conn Smythe Award winner. That's for the uh, MVP of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He did an amazing job. And what a channeling of emotion for the Lightning, who last year had the best record in the league, were bounced, swept in the first round, but they atone with a championship. Big story at the French Open, by the way. Let's go, Serena. Is the weather. Serena Rowland, Christy on 7-6-6 love, but Jay, she trailed in both sets before rallying. They're playing, obviously, this Roland Garros way late in the calendar. If you're watching on ESPN News, Serena is basically in long sleeves, got the leggings on. The big story in Paris is they're playing these matches. It's like 55 degrees. It's a little strange to be playing tennis at this time of year for a major and also to be playing with weather that cold. 
And in the most obvious news department of all time, Bears coach Matt Nagy is named Nick Foles, the Bears starting quarterback going forward. Oh, uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> Key confirming that yesterday, along with everybody else that has uh, two eyes. Uh, the Bears will not, he says, evaluate the starting quarterback position again on a week-to-week basis. So essentially, that would say outside of an injury, this is Foles' job moving forward. Again, I'll say, yeah, really? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> and that is a poor, poor guy. <laughs> poor Mitch Trubisky. It, 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 look, man, I've never been in a situation in my career where I was looking over my shoulder or felt like somebody was you know, there to take my job. I wasn't worried about it ever. And in this situation with, with Mitch Trubisky, you bring in Nick Foles, you don't exercise my fifth-year option, the writing was on the wall. No question. From A to Z was brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies Advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Let's do a little college football. Paul Feinbaum brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper Loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper. Great to have Paul with us this morning. Let's just start with, by far, hands down, the biggest story in the sport this week, and that is former USC quarterback JT Daniels waiting to get cleared by Georgia after having a torn ACL, as indeed been cleared. They have a huge game this weekend. Paul, I watched them against Arkansas over the weekend. Dewan Mathis, the young kid, did nothing. Stetson Bennett, who might have the most SEC name of all time, actually came in and performed pretty well. But what does this mean? JT Daniels now in the mix practicing with a huge spot Saturday. Yeah, I I don't think this is really a difficult decision for for Kirby Smart. Uh, I I think he has to start Daniels. Uh, Stetson Bennett uh, a month ago was not on anyone's radar because Jamie Newman, remember the – grad transfer from Wake Forest was supposed to be the starter. So I, I think this is really simple. Uh, I think the Georgia overreaction is a little bit uh, about as crazy as the debate I just got through hearing between Jay and Key. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, will, I will settle the tie here in a minute. But uh, that, that is, uh, this guy has experience, as Keyshawn knows. Uh, he started for a while at USC. He lost his job. But, mm-hmm. but I think he, he will be the starter he may not be the starter, excuse me, but he will, he will finish the game Saturday night in Athens. Uh, Paul, LSU obviously took a beat down, not necessarily a beat down, but they lost a game to Mississippi State in K.J. Costello, over 600 yards in the air, I don't know, seven touchdowns or whatever it was. Kind of crazy with Mike Leach running this system. Is this system going to run through the SEC pretty good? Because I remember – when Hal Mummy was the coach at Kentucky, he ran the same thing, and it didn't go well. Yeah, I think it will have its moments, and, and certainly there, there are some reasons why they were able to win Saturday in Baton Rouge. Uh, but I think ultimately it sounds like football 101 key, but you know, Leach is going to have to have a defense that, that's able to stop teams like Alabama uh, and Auburn and, and other schools that, that are going to be significantly better than Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a middle-of-the-pack team, but they have a good, they have a good uh, roster uh, that was left to them by Moorhead last year who got fired after a ball game. And, and I think Leach has just done the most of it, uh, has done the best of it. By, by the way, by bringing Costello, though, he was able to put uh, his imprint on the system. But I think that was really as much about LSU – and guys, you, you talk about the NFL all the time here. 14 starters gone, uh, an opt-out this year in Jamar Chase, the best wide receiver in football who decided not to play. 
And then Derek Stingley, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the game, got sick the night before. I think that's really why LSU went down at home. Paul, how likely is it that the U is finally back? Uh, the good news about my answer is uh, we, we'll, we'll know in about a week and a half, uh, Jay, because uh, yeah, I, I sat there like the rest of the world a couple of years ago, and we all put on the turnover chain after the U beat Notre Dame, and they immediately collapsed. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think the Clemson game is as interesting of, uh, as regular season ACC game as we have had in four or five years. The Notre Dame game uh, will be in November at South Bend, but th- this is really good for the ACC to have the U back. And, of course, we said goodbye to Florida State in the process the other day. I don't know if they'll ever be back. And, by the way, I, I know we're, I don't want – before we get short on time here, guys, uh, <laughs> I, I, was listening, I was listening to the conversation between Jay and Key – and you know how I feel about you, Key. I think uh, oh, I feel no, like you, you're just, truth, Paul, just by you starting truth, that Paul. off already tells me tell where you go. Tell the going. truth, Paul. Thank you. But I, I am going. I am going. I've got to tell you, your argument was really weak. Uh, and Jay is Jay wins this debate because if you don't beat somebody, it's not a rivalry. And you know, you can, this is a this was a manufactured game, and and the media made this into a. a uh, an epic battle that was not an epic battle. And, you know, I, I've used this line about the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Rivalry. It, it was a rivalry. It's not anymore because Harbaugh gets his, his clock cleaned every year. A rivalry has to be something that, that, that is in the moment. You just can't say, well, this, you know, they, they've been playing since 1895. Uh, it's the <laughs> oldest rivalry. Well, I, I don't think it, it matters if, if one team doesn't show up every year. Oh, okay. I, I, Thank I, you, Paul. You, Thank you for talking some reason into Michon. Well, anyway, I'm not going to listen to that. Oklahoma took one on the chin against Kansas State. Are they still pretty oh live? You see, I tried to deflect Paul. Are they pretty, right back to college uh, football. Are they he still don't want to hear it when he's Ke- wrong, Keyshawn, Keyshawn, save that for tonight's debate in Cleveland. I mean, this is, a, this is a conversation here. This is not a deflection. I'm not deflecting. I'm just trying to move the show along. And I want to talk about Oklahoma taking one on the chin against okay. Kansas State. In are, they, are their playoff hopes gone now uh they're certainly in, in, on life support uh, i would say that uh, in a shortened season which we have uh you, you just can't blow a game like that and and i think what really hurts oklahoma is is the fact that you know they're in the playoff every year and they get destroyed in the playoff every year and those committee members have to think about that i know their job is to pick the four best teams but uh, with, with oklahoma you're, you're you're getting a pretender now because uh, they have nowhere to go. I mean, they have one, one legitimate game left, maybe two, uh, Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's going to be enough because Texas, even in winning the other day at Texas Tech, looked pretty bad uh, in the process. Who's a clear-cut favorite in the SEC right now? Is it Alabama or is it Florida? I think it's Alabama. Uh, and, you know, Florida looked really good. I mean, their defense was, was not, not particularly stout, but that was against Lane Kiffin. Uh, but, but their offense is fantastic with Kyle Trask. And, and I, I think – I'm not ruling out Georgia. The good, the good thing about Georgia, you know, with the game this week against Auburn and then uh, two and a half weeks from now at Alabama, there won't be too much debate whether Georgia is, is in this thing or not. We should mention that, of course, Paul, not just giving us some football, but giving us, as they say, some political football with something happening at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland a little later tonight, tying it in. Just about, oh, 100 million people or so will be tuned in for that, and we'll be Mm. tuned in for some SEC football. It's so great to have it back. There is no doubt in the world 
that it was a different feeling this past Saturday than Saturdays prior. That says everything about the SEC. You need to know. You can listen to the Paul Feinbaum Show 3 to 7 Eastern on the SEC Network or on the ESPN Radio app. Paul, thanks for settling the tie. And, Paul, if you wouldn't mind on your show, you can please bring up the fact that Keyshawn was wrong. Just me hearing it on multi-paradigms makes me feel happy. Thank you, Jay, and and well done. Congratulations. Keyshawn, come on, man. You got to do better than that. Paul, it's a typical Pac-12 performance, right? Coming in, coming in. Zubin! Oh, wow, Zubin! Wow, wow, Zubin with a curveball. Haymakers! Okay. Haymakers, Zubin. Yeah, Pac-12. Well, uh... <laughs> I may have attended the worst program in the history of college football, That's so that's probably right? something. <laughs> it's not like we didn't know that going in. It's hey, fine. There's nothing wrong with being the third pick in the draft, Zubin. It makes a lot of money, okay? I've accepted that as the second pick. You got to have three men for there a three-man. And weave. Yes, you do, brother. Right? You can't yes, do the three-man weave unless I'm pulling up Damn the right. wagon. Ruckers. <laughs> <laughs> One to speak. Uh. <laughs> Fair enough. Touche. Touche. Uh. Still to come, they paid Garrett Cole over $300 million to join the Yankees. So when he takes the bump tonight, why is he going to be only the second best pitcher on the mound? We'll have that with the last guy to win a World Series with the Yankees. Mark Teixeira on the 09 title team. That's on the way. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. .com. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. That includes the Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon coming up at 9 a.m. Shane Bieber went 8-1 with a 1.63 ERA. He's the Indians' ace. Proof, he was the AL's best pitcher in 2020. And Proof is brought to you by Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas. Gives you unbeatable engine protection. The Proof's in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. And Shane Bieber and his incredible 2020 season is where we want to start with Mark Teixeira. Three-time MLB All-Star, 2009 World Series champion with the Yankees. In fact, he was a member of the last Yankees team to win it all. They are the five seed, and they will take on Bieber and the Indians tonight, 7 Eastern ESPN, ESPN Radio. Mark joins us this morning. Take us inside the matchup here, Mark, where the Yankees' $300 million man, Garrett Cole, might be the second-best pitcher on the bump tonight. 
Yeah, he is, Zubin, and here's the thing. I mean, the Yankees really need game one because while we know Shane Bieber might be currently the best pitcher on the planet, Garrett Cole has that stuff. We all know how great Garrett Cole can be. So if Garrett Cole can, can somehow win game one, I think the Yankees have a shot at, at beating these Indians. If they lose game one, if Shane Bieber throws a shutout and the Yankees can't score any runs and, and the Indians scratch a few against Cole, now you got to face Carlos Carrasco and, and Zach Plesac. These two guys are studs too. And you look at the Yankees' right-handed bats. These guys are all of their best hitters. Yeah, Brett Gardner and, and Aaron Hicks can, can do a little bit of damage, but all of the Yankees' best hitters, you look at Judge and Stanton and LeMahieu and Glaber Torres and go down the line, they're righties. The three starting pitchers for the Indians this series will be righties. So uh, I just think it's a very tough matchup for the Yankees. Mark, uh would it expand the playoff uh, matchups in this year's playoffs? What teams are you looking for most excited to see? Well, I want to see the young guns at the Padres and the White Sox. We've been talking about these guys all season long. And, yeah, neither of these teams won their division, but they have the firepower both offensively and in their starting rotation to get it done. So look at the Padres first. If Mike Clevenger and Denelson Lamette are healthy, and that's a huge question mark, the Padres are the second-best team in the National League. And I really want to see you know Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado do, do their thing in the National League. On the American League side, you know, Dallas Keuchel is an absolute stud. A, a sub-2 ERA this year. He's going to start game one for the White Sox. But we know they've been making all of their hay this season because of their offense. Jose Abreu might win a World Series. Tim Anderson, I'm sorry, might win an MVP. Tim Anderson is probably a top five MVP type guy. And, and, and the White Sox are just a lot of fun to watch hitting home runs. Mark, Mark, talk to me about our Yankees, man. You know, watching them against the Blue Jays, the Marlins, I was really depressed, really depressed. Uh, don't have home field advantage now at going on the road. Like, give me the inside track to what's going on. It's inconsistency. And, and Jay, well, you know, as, as an athlete, the thing that you want to be able to count on in the postseason is, is consistent veteran play. And you're just not seeing that right now from the Yankees. And whether it's injuries to some of their best players like Judge and, and Stanton, or it's just not performing guys like Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez coming into the season was arguably the best catcher in Major League Baseball from an offensive standpoint. He hit 150 this season. And when you have that type of inconsistency, how do you expect to go through an entire October and win against quality teams? The Yankees had stretches where they won 10 in a row and then lost 9 of 10. I mean, that's the type of season they had. So super inconsistent. And, and unfortunately, you know, with the injuries early on in the season, they never got going. Now, can they turn it around in October? Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees got swept in the first round or went to the World Series. That's how volatile that roster is right now. So extreme. How do you feel about the best of three series for all teams involved here? How does that hurt or help you in the playoffs? Well, I, I personally don't like it, but I understand why they had to do it for this year. I, I would like to see the playoffs expanded to 16 teams permanently, but I want that first round to be five games. 
you know, I think it's going to help teams that have a bona fide ace because if you can win that first game and then you know just make sure that you win one of the next two, it, you're going to be in a good position. There's plenty of five-game series where teams lost the first game and then won the next three or won three of the next four. It's going to be much more difficult to win two in a row against a quality team. So I want everyone to look at the first game, look at the pitching matchup, and the best pitcher, you know, the guy that performs on the bump that night, that team has the upper hand to win the series. You're talking about an ace pitcher. You're talking about the bump. Walker Bueller with my Dodgers uh, had a little bit of blister on his hand. He came out of the regular season or shortened season with a 3-4 ERA. Are we, should we be concerned at all, not only about the ERA, but also about the blister? That's a great question. You do need to be concerned because Walker Bueller from stuff – from a, just from an absolute talent perspective, is one of the best pitchers in baseball. But when you have a blister, I mean, just that, that little thing on your finger can make a huge difference. That's why you saw the blow to the ERA. He hasn't been able to, to consistently pitch all season. And so right now, I think Dodgers fans need to look at Walker Bueller as probably their number three starter. Now, he may pitch game two, but Clayton Kershaw has had a great season. I mean, he's, he's the horse that the Dodgers have always leaned on. I think Dustin May has the second best stuff in that rotation right now and you look at a guy who's 6'7 who throws 100 mile an hour sinkers and so the Dodgers fans shouldn't be worried about their team at all I mean this team is completely stacked but you should be a little bit worried about Bueller and his health quadruple header today we're talking with ESPN MLB analyst Mark Teixeira Houston at Minnesota 145 Eastern on ABC (laughs) indeed (laughs) White Sox and A's Blue Jays and Rays and then the Yankees and the Indians all four of those games by the way will be available to listen to on ESPN radio we got eight games tomorrow and a total of a dozen games on the radio over the next three days lock in baseball fans all right last thing for you World Series matchup World Series winner the World Series matchup will be the Dodgers just because of how good they are. I mean, this team didn't have a losing record against anybody they played. Just completely just dominated the National League all season long and interleague play, by the way. Uh, so I have the Dodgers in the National League, and I'm going to go with the Indians. We talked about them earlier against the Yankees. Uh, you know, we, we know how good their starting pitching is. Brad Hand, their closer, had the most saves in the American League. And, and if Francisco Lindor gets hot, Jose Ramirez is an MVP candidate, might win the American League MVP. But if Francisco Lindor door gets hot. Now you have a one-two duo, both switch hitters that can carry this team in the playoffs. You look at the the recipe for the Nationals last year when they kind of came out of nowhere and won the series is great starting pitching and then a duo of Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. And that was enough to get them all the way and, and win game seven against the Astros. So I like the Indians getting there as well. Interesting. We should mention the Nats not Wait. back to defend their title. So, Jay, that means uh, he's not who, picking your Yankees who, for sure. No, that's okay. Who would his winner be? Who's your winner, though, Mark? Dodgers, man. It, it's the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers. It, there is no holes on this team. There, 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 this team, I look at the 2018 Red Sox, the, the last kind of dominant run in the playoffs. Um, I believe that they went 11-3 and in that playoff run. Uh, they were never losing a series. I mean, they just they ran through the entire playoffs. I think the Dodgers can do something very similar this year. Real quick, though, Mark, our, with Kenley Jansen struggling, he's been struggling as our closer. What do we do if he gets into a pinch and starts to struggle? 
<laughs> That's a great point. I would say if there's if I could nitpick one little thing about the Dodgers, it would be Kenley Jansen isn't the dominant closer that we've seen in the past. And the good thing is, is the Dodgers do have plenty of arms out there in the bullpen. And, you know, I kind of joke about it. Hopefully they're beating teams so badly that they don't need to win a lot of one- or two-run games late in the postseason. But um, you're right. If there is one thing to worry about as a Dodgers fan, it would be Kenley Jansen. We'll see. Dodgers looking for that first world championship since 1988. The playoffs get underway today on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Radio. On the way to crowning baseball's most unique World Series champion ever. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. World Series winner Mark Teixeira. Great to have him with us. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests, including the Hall of Famer Warren Moon. You think you want to know a little bit about quarterback play? We'll ask him what he's seen from Wilson and Mahomes and Jackson and Rodgers. On the way, still to come, the Clippers have an opening, a vacancy, and they interviewed a guy yesterday that you would be stunned they brought in. Who is it? We'll tell you next. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Only if you could buy behind-the-scenes action, it would be great. So here we go. The big issue, the real big issue in the NBA is what happens. The Clippers have a great opportunity here to hire a coach that could perhaps put them over the top. They could lose Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at the end of next season when they become unrestricted free agents. And Jay... Mike D'Antoni, according to Woj, Mike D'Antoni, who likes to play one way and one way only to great regular season success, he is interviewed for the Clippers job. What do you think of that? Don't see it. I don't see it. Um, I I think that the Pacers job is probably a better fit for Mike D'Antoni, a team that's kind of struggled offensively and looking for more of an offensive style or approach. I... It's really, it's Ty Lue's job to lose. First off, a couple of things. Number one, who can provide a better blueprint for you on how to stop LeBron James? Now, I know people can say, well, LeBron James is 35. It seems like he's going to win his fourth title, third different title. I mean, excuse me, third title and fourth title uh, in three different cities, right? 
uh, first to ever do that. But LeBron James seems that he's by. He's like machine. He's probably going to come back again next year. So Ty Lue has coached them to a title in Cleveland. He understands LeBron, how he works, what schemes he likes. That's great to have on the inside track to be with the Clippers if you're able to hire Ty Lue. And then secondly, I would say this. Ty Lue also has spent time being around the players, spent time being around Kawhi Leonard, spent time being around Paul George, understanding how the different dynamics of characters work. Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, all those different things I think really serve to Ty Lue being the next head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. No, Dan, Dan Tony is cool, but – He ain't it. It's not – for me, like I don't need to see what I've already seen at every stop he's been, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's Houston, whether it was a short stint with the Lakers. I don't need to see that again. It's like some new blood, man. Like why do you want to keep microwaving dudes and putting them in and warming them back up and bringing them out? Let me just make one correction. I don't know how we did this, and I apologize for people listening. Mike D'Antoni interviewed for the Sixers job. Oh, we may have misheard oh, okay. that. I don't know. E, e on me. Put that on me. We should have double checked that. But uh, no worries. All strike good. from the record what you just said. He interviewed for the Sixers job. What kind of fit do you think that makes? I, I still think the Pacers are a better job. I. It, it would be interesting. I, I don't know how you play Ben Simmons, a guy that was a defensive, has defensive tenacity all the time, a great defensive player in the league. Him coming off injuries. I, I still don't know if I see that working as much, Zubin. Because you have Joel Embiid who kind of lumbers down the court key from time to time. I don't know how fast you want to play. Shooting threes, you have to change your whole personnel out. How do you, you know, maybe just get a lot of three-point shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But Joel Embiid doesn't like to play fast all the when time. You, when you look at Mike D'Antoni and his system, what big has he ever had that's like a Joel Embiid that has fit into his system that he would like to run? Again, there's a lot of available candidates that's pretty good out there. And I understand that Mike D'Antoni is a vet and he knows how to win games and but is that ultimately what you want to do? You just want to win games? Because you won games with Brett Brown. You couldn't get out of the playoffs, right? So I, I don't like guys that keep getting chance over chance over and chance over and chance over when there's other guys that are waiting. I like to call them as progress stoppers. He's a progress stopper, in my opinion. Now, That's it, what he is. It does bring me to a bigger point. And Mark Spears tweeted about this the other evening where he said, quote, Black head coaches remaining in the 30-team NBA. Cleveland's J.B. Bickerstaff, Detroit's Dwayne Casey, Atlanta's Lloyd Pierce, and Phoenix's Monte Williams. Black coaches fired in 2020, Doc Rivers, Nate McMillan, and Alvin Gentry. Black coaches hired in 2020, zero. NBA black players, 75%. Quickly mention James Borrego Hornets, Hispanic head coach. Hispanic. It's worth mentioning, not African-American, but it's worth mentioning for you know, when you when you when you look at it from that perspective and you dive into it, again, there's a lot of candidates that's out there. Whether it's a Ty Lu, whether it's a Sam Cassell, those there's guys that are there that need the opportunity. Uh Mike D'Antoni has had four tries, I believe that's the number. Four stops, maybe even more. I, I do you want to go down that route again? Like is that really what you want to do? Here's my I'm not saying it's done it's being done maliciously. Um, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm but, not saying that. I'm just saying yeah. as from a coaching no, no, standpoint, no, I, that doesn't that doesn't move my needle if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, it doesn't do anything for me. It tells me I'm going to get to the playoffs, I'm going to score 140 points in a game, and then what? I, well, my point was towards the Mark Spears tweet. Uh, I don't think it's being done maliciously, but optics would make one think that, Key. When you think about who are the coaches that have just been hired, you Steve Nash of Brooklyn, 
Uh, granted, I think that was Kyrie and KD ultimately yeah. with Sean Marks making that decision. Yeah. And then Billy Donovan in Chicago, right? So, yes, we are saying that Sam Cassell, Mark Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson. Uh, Adrian Griffin. A lot of these coaches are available. But the fact of the matter is none of these coaches have been taken yet. And then when you hear that, hey, guys, like Mike D'Antoni is a leader for, you know, or his interview for the 76ers job, you know, it just, it, once again, it makes you think, you know, are we getting more diversity within the coaching ranks of the NBA? It's a problem I hear a lot of people talk about within the NFL. And what we're seeing is it, it's the same thing in the NBA. So with all these viable candidates out here, when will some of them start getting jobs? And that's a question that we have to continue to ask until we actually start seeing results. That's honestly how I feel about it. It's really tough. A lot of viable candidates out here, but they haven't gotten they haven't gotten their names called yet. Another candidate that's on the market that obviously is is black, African American, uh, is Doc Rivers. So he's now on the floor. So that's one more that could potentially be hired at some of these jobs, whether it's Indy, Philly, OKC, uh, New Orleans, pick and choose. And think back in 2015, 2016, people don't think about this. Remember this, Jay. Mike D'Antoni was the associate head coach of the Sixers, right? They had that Colangelo influence there. So he wasn't the head coach, but he obviously knows the organization well, serving as the associate head coach. And maybe this time around, he gets it done. To your point, Key, Denver, Phoenix, New York, Los Angeles, the Houston Rockets. Yeah, that was before Phoenix. He started his career in Denver, but he had a not-so-glorious two-year run with the Lakers, as you know. As and, and, so I'm, I'm not saying that he may not be the right fit for the 76ers. But, but I you, am. I'm saying, as a whole, stop. I mean, the dude's 70-something years old, man. Stop. It, it, let's, it, it just, just, let's, let's look for some opportunities that's there with some of these young guys that have have been working their tails off to become head coaches or get a second chance around like a Ty Lue, let's let's do that instead of trying to figure out if he's the right fit so we can go down the same path and revisit it three years from now saying, well, they won a lot of games, and, and I, then what? And I want to clarify, I'm not just saying hire somebody because they're black. Like, no, I'm talking about people who are extremely competent who have been doing this for a very long time. So when you hear that 75% of the league is African-American, yet 13% of all coaches are African-American, that sounds like a problem, right? It sounds a little bit like a problem. So there are viable candidates out there. I I think there are other people that can fit those roles, and I hope to see them being called to the table more than not. Well, it would take a monumental upset, but if the Heat were to win, you'd have the first Filipino coach and a minority coach to win the NBA championship. And let's be real, well, one more bad year, and Lloyd Pierce is probably going to be out in Atlanta. Agreed. So that could be another African-American coach. That could. Well, be- I was going to say about Eric Spolster, love him to death, not going to happen. <laughs> He's got Lakers <laughs> in five. The Hall of Famer Warren Moon is next. What's impressed him the most about Patrick Mahomes? We'll ask him. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.